Is Boston College in trouble with local recruiting? And where will Jeff Halfley deploy his new staff recruiting across the country? All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening. On today's show, we're going to dive into some recruiting topics that I think many of you are going to want to talk about. And then we're going to wrap up with discussing how Earl Grant has looked in his first year. I'm going to compare him against the last four Boston College head coaches and give you a little piece of that. But let's talk about recruiting, first of all. On Thursday, or Wednesday, excuse me, William Watson, a quarterback from Central Springfield, is going to make his announcement. Now, he has a Boston College offer. I've been told that he is not going to be someone that Boston College would be taking at quarterback. So I don't think he'll end up at BC. Pretty simple. But now that you look at that, now, it, Watson was the number nine, according to 247 Sports Recruit in all of Massachusetts. He's a three-star quarterback, so I thought his his ranking would eventually rise over the last couple of years, um, but he has not. And he's not going to end up at BC. It looks like probably Nebraska is going to be where he ends up. But that'll be now three local recruits that have spurned Boston College. Now, again, Watson was not someone I don't think that BC was very high on, but the other two... Preston Zinter and Andrew Rappelia both were guys that BC was tar- were targeting. Is this something to be worried about? Because if you look down the list of who's on the two four seven top ten, I don't think BC has much. You know, or I think BC's in some big trouble with some of these kids. First of all, you look at Ronan Hannafin. Ronan Hannafin is a local uh, tight end. He's the class of twenty twenty three. He's a kid uh, with a ton of offers. And he looks like he's heading to Notre Dame, if I was to guess right now. Now, he hasn't committed there. Um, I would put him probably near the top of the uh, remaining recruits available in Massachusetts in that top 10 as one that BC could have a good chance with if he wants. He's been to BC a bunch of times. And if Notre Dame doesn't have the room for him, I bet he ends up at BC. So he could be the best chance that BC has. Because then you look down. You go to Somerville. Samson Okanlola, who is a four-star, almost five-star offensive lineman. BC is in the running with him, but the dude has, like, I'm not even joking when I say this, like 50 or 60 offers at this point. I'm a bit of a facetious. probably has like 30. But you name a blue blood, and they've offered him. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Now, do you think Boston College has a, a legitimate chance there? I mean, they've they've shocked people before, but the way he's been rolling, I don't think there he's going to be at one. So you'd lose him, Jonel Elguero, uh, It to me, I thought up until this weekend, it sounded like it was between BC and Georgia. Now, if he wants to stay local, I mean, he went to IMG Academy. Now he's a four or five star cornerback that's local uh, that went to IMG Academy. He's got a, again a huge offer list. He's high on BC. I don't I don't discount them there, but. I mean, he just started tweeting about Alabama. So if they want him, they're going to take him. So you lose him too. You possibly lose Hannafin. You lose Watson, who again, it wasn't a big thing, but that's another guy that's gone. Now you look, you have three guys that are committed and they're all from Catholic Memorial. I think they're all going to stick. Bubaka Traore, a defensive tackle. He's a four-star. Jaden Skeet, who is a um, 
four-star wide receiver and um, Detrell Jones, a three-star running back. I think BC's in good shape with all of them. So you get those three. But if you're trying to build out in, in, in a good class of 2023, BC's in some trouble. And I don't think this is a big issue, and this is why. Because when you look at Massachusetts, as I said on yesterday's show, BC is never going to be the guys that get blue chips. And unfortunately for the fans that follow Massachusetts recruiting right now, there's a bunch of blue chips in, in Massachusetts. I mean, Okanlola, Aguero, um, you know, you can even argue some of the other kids. Uh, Preston Zinter could be a, a, a blue chip. He's not really, but those other guys are. And BC's not in the shape to do it. Now, if BC had played better last year and really kind of elevated their game, you could say that they could have been in better shape to get these guys because right now it just looks like BC is still BC, even though Jeff Halfley could be building something here. We just don't see it yet. Um, but I'm not that concerned because I think that when I've talked to other recruits from across the country, I still think Jeff Halfley's message is resonating. And it may not resonate locally because it's not the kids that are, are hearing his messages, the coaches. And the coaches have heard, you know, these guys are all locals from Massachusetts. And if you're a local, you know, we all know how BC's perceived. Some of these guys don't like BC because maybe they didn't take a kid because of academics or they didn't have a spot for him. So they're pissed off and then they don't want, you know, their five star going to your school. They also probably, um, you know, I, I from years past, I've heard that there's not the best relationship between previous coaches and the coaching staffs at some of these high schools. So, you know, they, they're, they've got a little chip on their shoulder anyways when it comes to Boston College. And Jeff Halfley's going to have to fight to prove that wrong. And so, I, you know, when he goes to Texas or he goes to Arkansas or, or Florida, he doesn't have that, you know, reputation or, or the school's reputation to beat. He just has himself. So it's going to resonate more. And I think that's where BC is going to find more of their recruits. And I expect them to whiff on more of these Massachusetts kids this year. I don't, I, I you know, maybe they'll stun us the few uh, big ones, but you know, they got their trio. They might grab one or two more. And if they get, I mean, if they got five out of this group, that's excellent. Right. But I, you know, for those of you that are like, we got to bring everyone from Massachusetts into Boston for BC. It's that is never going to happen. Obviously Zinter's gone out. Rappel. has gone, but I just don't see that happening. I think BC's kind of going to have to try to make, make do with what they have. And they're going to, they're going to hit around the country. I mean, look at look at what they did last year. Sione Hala is a four-star safety from a blue blood program. I mean, you don't get more blue blood than John Don Brosco out in, in in California. And he picked BC, right? You got Cam Barfield from Bishop Gorman, another blue blood program at BC. You got the kids from St. Francis Academy, CJ Burton, Jude Bowery. The programs if he can get I would much rather see BC get some kids from Massachusetts that want to be here and nail some kid not nail that sounds awful right I mean grab some kids from these bigger programs these winning programs IMG Academy Saint uh, John Saint John's Prep in, in Massachusetts is a good one but you know all these bigger schools from across the country and that's where Jeff Halfley can find his success go to these bigger programs get the kids that are more polished and ready to go and he's gonna find success doing it that way. And if he loses kids from Massachusetts, that's it's going to burn for a little bit. But if BC starts turning it around and starts winning, these coaches are going to start looking at Boston College more. And they're going to start pushing their kids towards Boston College more. Because 
from what I've heard, some of these coaches from across the state, they 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 want to see their kids successful. So they're 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 wanting to see their kids at Notre Dame, Ohio State, and we we, we may never break BC may never break that barrier, but they may get into that conversation and. That's all going to start with wins on the field and building those reputations behind closed doors. And I think Jeff Halfley's the right guy to do that. Now, in a moment, speaking of getting coaches behind closed doors, where are, where is the recruiting going to go now that BC has lost or and now replaced three coaches on their staff? This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to this resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It's almost like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. As you guys all know, I have a Bilt Bar every single day at 2.30. It gives me the energy and protein I need to get through long days of recording and work. And I love the puffs. These are something I tried a couple months ago. I can't get enough of these things. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They are so good. These are going to be your new favorite. You can try out some of the flavors of the regular Bilt Bars that are just as good, including the mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and for the the new for this month, the white chocolate cookies and cream. Oh my goodness. You gotta check this one out. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they're going to make it, and they're going to make it good for you. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code Built, uh, LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening. If you have made Locked On Boston College your first listen every morning, again, I want to thank each and every one of you. I'd give you a big old high five if I could see each, each of you that do that. Um, it makes a big difference. We've seen our reader, listenership skyrocket over the last year. We've done this over a year now, and we give you BC podcast news and analysis five days a week. I love doing it, and I've enjoyed it getting to know each and every one of you that have listened through questions and and comments. So thank you all who have been uh, listeners. Now, we've been talking about BC football's um, new coaching staff and kind of looking at how things could change for Boston College. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we kind of looked at how schemes, we talked to Mitch Wolf about schemes and how John McNulty, you know, the new offensive coordinator might adjust the scheme on the offense. But that's his piece, right? The the positional coaches, we have two new ones with Dave Guglielmo, and we also have reportedly Daryl Wyatt. And Daryl Wyatt has not been hired yet, but um, according to multiple reports, he will be the new wide receiver coach. Now, they'll work with the positions and, you know, they'll do drills and, and technique and watch film and all that kind of stuff. But the other big piece for this new staff is going to be recruiting. And there's two things that we want to look at right away when it ta- when you're talking about recruiting and new coaches. One, are they good recruiters? And two, are they an improvement over what you had? And finally, where are they going to rec- where are they where's their bread and butter? Where are they going to be recruiting? First off, Boston College, we'll, we'll start with the new stuff. Daryl Wyatt is replacing Joe Daly. Joe Daly, you know, he was part of some of the bigger recruits, such as Joe Griffin, Ish Zamore. So he's brought in some good guys. 
But how is Daryl Wyatt going to look as a as a um, a recruiter? Now he in the last recruiting cycle for UCF landed one recruit, and it was a four star from from Florida, Caven Call. Um, he was the number three hundred fourteenth recruit in the country. He had a four star, an edge rusher, uh, big. So he got uh, a good one there. But he's also landed. I mean, you look at his page, and you look at the guys that he's brought in, and he has. The pedigree, I mean, the list of four and five stars that he's brought, uh, not five stars, a lot of four stars during his time at Oklahoma and Texas. Now, this is obviously not the same school, Boston College. It will never be Texas and Oklahoma, but he comes with that pedigree, and that is solid. Now, no offense to Joe Daly. Joe Daly was a good coach, and I'm not here to, to knock him, but that pedigree is better than what Daly brought in, which was he was an offensive coordinator at Liberty in New Mexico, right? So that's an upgrade. Right there, there's no way other other way around that. He we we talked yesterday about why, and you haven't listened yet. Why it's on field um, production for his wide receivers was excellent. He had uh, you look at what he did at UCF. He had like three or four guys with like 80 receptions over the last couple of years. Excellent. You, you know Gabriel Davis, who you guys all saw with the Bills. He's done that. He's also done it on the recruiting trail too. So he's an upgrade right there. Now Dave DeGuglielmo, Dave DeGuglielmo. I'm gonna botch his name up. Uh, he's called Googs on Twitter, so I'm, I'm going to just go by Googs because it might be easier for me than listening to me botch his name up. But he is more of a question mark because his rec- his background is more NFL-based. Now, he's had time. I mean, he was at Louisiana Tech last year. Um, he did not have any um, recruits commit to him. But, it, you know, he's been all over the place at different spots, mostly in the NFL. So we don't know what he's going to be like on the recruiting trail. So... I can't say that he's an upgrade over Matt Applebaum there. On, on the field product, yeah, as we said before, he's probably a huge upgrade over Matt Applebaum because he's got the the pedigree. He's done it for years. He's been all over the place. He's been with big programs and been at big NFL teams, but not on the recruiting trail. So I have to give that a wash there. I might give Applebaum the, the bit of the nod there, at least right now, just talking right now. Googs could be a good recruiter. He seems like a very boisterous guy online. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to wait with that one. So that one is not. I can't give a point to either. I can't give him a point for that one. And then John McNulty against Frank Signetti. Now John McNulty has quite the history as a recruiter. Uh, you know he brought in some big names to Notre Dame while he was there, and so he definitely. I mean, you look at some of the guys that he's brought in including Steve Angelini, who's a four-star quarterback. Tom Savage is a four-star quarterback. Uh, you know, he brought in a whole bunch of four-star tight ends. Eli Raridan, Cooper Flanagan, Holden Stays. So, you know, he brings in the big names. He brought a four-star into Rutgers, right, right when they started. So you look at that, you compare it to, to Signetti. Now, Signetti got that once-in-a-lifetime quarterback when he got Phil Dracovic. That was... You know, as much as people want to rip on on BC for having Signetti, Signetti was a humongous factor in that, and and Jakovic will tell you that himself. But I, you know, he he got Emmett Moorhead, who they've said a lot, but we haven't seen anything out of him, and you know, he's still a huge question mark. Um, there was no real quarterback the year before, so I, he's a quarterbacks coach, and I like what McNulty has done. So I'm going to give a slight edge to McNulty here, just a slight. So there you go. You have a big upgrade with Daryl Wyatt. You have a slight upgrade with uh, McNulty. 
And you have probably a little bit of an edge for Applebaum, just because of its it being a, a bit of an unknown. So those are our three coaches and where they're at. Now, people have been asking, what's the recruiting footprint going to be? So let's look at where they have been, and we can talk about where these coaches are going to go, right? So let's go with the old coaches, the guys that have been there. AAR, Azar Abdul-Rahim, the defensive backs coach, he does the district of uh, I was a district of motor vehicles, D- 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 Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Every time I see DMV, all I can think is Department of Motor Vehicles, but he's the DMV guy, right? you got Jeff Halfley and uh, tight end coach Steve Shimko in New Jersey. You have Vince Ogabase in Texas, and I bet you he will be joined by Daryl Wyatt. I'm, I'm guessing there might be a little bit of a push for BC in Texas right now. Um, Jeff Halfley probably sees all the talent he got there. You know, between De- Tyler Vrabel, who was there from Adazio, but Jaden Williams, who they just got, um, you know, Jalen Williams, who's the speedster they have. There's a lot of talent down there, and it's not the worst idea to really push in Texas. So you got that. You have Sean Duggan in Tennessee and Kentucky. You have Tem Lokabu probably in Georgia with a few other guys. Uh, Re- uh, Richie Gunnell, he's a Midwest guy at this point. And where would uh, Dave DeGuglielmo go? He's going to do all the offensive line coaching, uh, offensive line recruits, and I bet you he'll be a mass guy. I mean, he's from Lexington. They need a Massachusetts dude, so I bet he'll be doing that. And McNulty, the people have been asking about where McNulty will do. As I just said earlier, in the system, the offensive coordinator does not do a lot of like reaching out and like getting recruits. He's the quarterbacks coach, so he's going to go and try to get the quarterbacks. You know, we just had a, uh, an article online about a quarterback they just offered in Texas. Um, but I don't see him having like a catch area. I, I think he'll get his quarterbacks and probably sign off on some of the running backs and all those other positional players that they have on the offensive side, but I don't see him doing anything there. But that should be it. Everything else should be the same unless coaches, uh, if there's any other coaching changes that we haven't seen yet, and we'll have to keep our eye on that. You never know. Now, in our final segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about basketball. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how different, um, how successful or not successful Earl Grant has been so far. And you're going to want to hear how he has done compared to the last four BC head coaches. We're going to talk all about that in just a moment. But this is football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, work totals, player prop, performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Head on over to Bet Online, where the game starts. This is Locked On Boston College AJ Black. On tomorrow's show, we're going to recap BC's game against NC State. It's a big game for BC as they can make it two in a row against a very bad NC State team that uh, BC should have good luck against. But they're on the road, and this is the third game in five days for BC. A team that's been banged up. We don't know what DeMar Langford's. Um, Injury status is going to be with his toe. And TJ Bickerstaff has missed over two weeks now. So we'll have to see whether they get both of those guys back. But Boston College now stands at 10 and 16. A team that many had written off as a four-win total team. I'm talking just out of conference. And possibly losing every ACC game is on the verge of 
not only getting out of the first round of the ACC tournament, but I saw some people saying a locked on ACC had a uh, conversation about them playing a huge spoiler in the ACC tournament. You know, the feelings are very strong, positive right now around the program. You know, they have lost quite a few games and, you know, they've had some ugly ones. They've had some clunkers, but they seem to rally all the time. And we just saw that happen on Monday night when they smoked Florida State. And, you know, it could happen again tonight when they play North NC State. But how successful of a season is this? They're not going to make the tournament. They're not going to make the NIT. You know, they're, they're going to end the season wherever they lose in the, in the uh, ACC tournament. But, you know, in comparison to other to- other coaches, how has, you know, Earl Grant done? And I think it's important to take some context into where this program is at, right? This is a program right now that's 10 and 16, but they lost four of their stop, top scorers. They lost their top rebounder. They lost almost their entire roster. If you look at that starting lineup, it's Makai Ashton Langford, Damar, Damar Langford, James Karnick, and then a whole bunch of backups that were, you know, or transfers, excuse me, or, or freshmen. So they had a lot of change. So let's look at the, the roster and change and, um, in terms of talking about how this this team looks compared to other coaches. And we're going to start with the most current and the one that you guys all love the most, Jim Christian. So Jim Christian, he takes over from Steve. Actually, we, let's go backwards. Let's go backwards and start because it doesn't make sense unless I go that way. Uh, let's start with Jim, Jim, Jim O'Brien. So Jim O'Brien, he comes to BC in 86 from St. Bonaventure. And his team goes 11 and 18. And I am not going to go into the details of how... Uh, you know, BC um, looked when they got there. I don't really know. <laughs> I've looked it up. I can't find the details on it. And you guys can all tell me all about it on Twitter. It doesn't matter to me. But they were 11 and 18 and 3 and 13 in conference. So immediately you see, you know, they played less games, but Errol Grant was better. He had a better season than that, right? Right off the bat. Better season for Jim O'Brien than Jim O'Brien to start. And Jim O'Brien, as we all remember, had some really good years before he left. You know, he went 22-9 and nine and made two straight NCAA tournaments uh, right before he went, headed off to Ohio State. Uh, so, you know, that that's that's a good sign for Earl Grant right there. So he leaves, and Al Skinner takes over. Al Skinner takes over a team that was uh, two times in a row in the in the tournament, and he finishes 15-16, and 16, okay? 15-16 and 16 and 6-12 and in, the AC, in the Big East at that point. They were six in the Big East. Not a good year. Now, he had a lot of Jim O'Brien's um, roster. I believe Scooney Penn had left at that point. You know, the fact that they were 15 and 16, he goes six and, six and 21 the year after, and then 11 and 19. So, right off the bat, you're seeing, okay, with a really decimated roster, Earl Grant still had a better year than Jim O'Brien. He definitely had a better start than Al Skinner. Then he go, we go on to Steve Donahue, who replaced Al Skinner. Now, Al Skinner left with um, his team going 15 and 16. and But he had, you know, Reggie Jackson, I believe, was on the, the squad with, Jim, uh, with, um, with Steve Donahue, and they went 21 and 13 that, that season. Then, once that roster turned over, and this is where I'm going to, this is, I have to kind of, again, this is why I want to give you context. 
The next year they go nine and twenty-two, four and twelve. So he gets he inherits um, Al Skinner's roster and has a good season. Then when he gets his own roster, which is kind of what Earl Grant is at right now, he goes four and twelve in his conference, four and twelve in the ACC. So again, th- Earl Grant's three for three right now. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of fudging numbers here, but. If Earl Grant had inherited Kai Bowman and Jerome Robinson, this team would be much better than they are right now. But he inherited nothing. So it's not fair to say that Steve Donahue, who inherited Al Skinner's team, uh, would be compared. So you have to go with what Steve Donahue put together, which is kind of what Earl Grant had to put together. And he was terrible. It was 9-22. and And then finally, the last coach is um, Jim Christian, who inherited garbage too. I mean... The Steve Donahue's teams were bad. So 2014, he goes 13 and 19, 4 and 14. Okay? And then 7 and 25, 0 and 18. So again, not even close. Earl Grant had a better year than all those guys. So Earl Grant has more conference wins than almost all of them in their first year, or their first year with their own roster. And he has more wins than most of them. Uh, you know, it's it's important to see that. I, I'd have to look at it, but I bet BC the year Jim Christian started off with, you know, an out of conference schedule. Here we go. He started off on a conference schedule with wins against New Hampshire, New Mexico, Marist, Providence, Maine, Binghamton, UMass Lowell, Harvard, and that was it. So I think that if you want to put into context what Grant has done, you have to be a little cautious because. He's not that far off from what the other guys have done, but he is a, he's an improvement. He's definitely improvement, right? So I I think that's it's a it's a reason to be positive. If they can end with a couple of wins here, if they can take out, you know, NC State and a few others and maybe win an NC ACC tournament game, they're going to end with 8 or 9 possible um sorry, 6 or 7 to 8 ACC wins and that is all you can ask for. And that's a positive note. So we'll talk tomorrow to see how this happens. You know, you never know. They go out there and lay an egg again. Uh, but it's still a positive thing for BC. Thank you all for listening. This is AJ Black. I will be back tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC or follow the, the site on YouTube. Check it out at YouTube. Go to Locked On Boston College. Find us there. Hit that subscribe button. If you've been listening, make sure you hit subscribe. I More and more of you have been doing that, and it makes a big difference. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all again soon. Take care.